Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And a good afternoon. Hope everybody is doing well. Grant Napier here on Listen App. We got the NFL playoffs beginning on Saturday, we'll talk about that. We've got uh, the NBA, the Kings beating the Lakers last night. Now they got the uh, Houston Rockets, uh, who've got the worst record in the West in town tomorrow and Sunday, and then the uh, Detroit Pistons. So a chance to get on a winning streak here. Uh, big news in the NFL today: the Houston Texans uh, fired their head coach, uh, David Culley, and that means that currently there's only one black head coach in the NFL, and that's Mike Tomlin. And it has been a firestorm today. Uh, on social media towards the NFL. And I'm going to, I'm doing my podcast on this tomorrow because you cannot be ignored. You know, the NFL uh, can't bombard us with end racism and inspire change and all of the other nonsense that they put out there on their field and on the back of helmets. And it is nonsense. It's a disgrace. Uh, and I've said that it's just absolutely awful. Uh, but they, if they go, if they're going to go that route, all right, then you can't have one head coach of color in the national football league. Now, with that said, you know, it's January, what, 13th today? There could be other uh, blackhead coaches hired, all right? So, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But even with that said, the disparity uh, is alarming. And again, if the NFL wants to, you know, talk about end racism and inspire change and all the other garbage they put out there, uh, then you know what? It's a bad look for the NFL. and It's just a bad look uh, for the NFL. And the NFL is getting killed today on social media. I mean, by everyone and good for them. You know what? Good for them. They deserve the criticism. They absolutely deserve the criticism. One year, you know, with that roster in Houston, you know, they go four and 12 and on the last game of the year, right? They took Tennessee right down to the wire. They played a a very competitive, hard fought game. Players were playing for Cully and he's out after one year. You know, word is it that, you know, they're going after, Uh, Brian Flores, who, of course, was fired from Miami on Monday. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. The bottom line is the NFL uh, looks really bad when it comes to minority hiring. There's just there is no other way. You can't ignore it. You know, and I'm not saying there has to be 16 white coaches and 16 black coaches. I've never felt that. You know, that's stupid for people that even intimate that. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. All right. Stupid. But, you know, the NFL's got a got a, a problem here. There's no doubt about that. All right, NFL, uh, Vegas at Cincinnati on Saturday. New England at Buffalo. Then on Sunday, three games, Philly at Tampa. San Francisco at Dallas. Pittsburgh at Kansas City. And Arizona is at the Rams. You know the routine. If you want to come on, all you need to do is raise your hand. 
And once you raise your hand, I'll put you up on stage and you can join me and we can have some fun talking like Jeff. Jeff, I'm going to get you going here on a Thursday. What can I do for you, sir? Hey, Grant. Uh, you know, I was that's what I was going to call you about today was uh, your opinion on the one and done hire of the t Texan coach. And the other thing I was going to ask you, um, you, are you still in Florida? Yes, I am. Okay, so what what are the people saying about the Flores? Uh, um, uh, you know? there, there, a lot of people are upset by it that I've talked to. Uh, a lot of people don't understand it. They felt that, you know, after the bad start this year, the team rallied around him. They played very well. They played hard for him in every game. Uh, you know, they ended the season by beating the Patriots for the second time this year. A lot of people were surprised by it. A lot of people were surprised by it. Yeah, imagine if he had Herbert. <laughs> well, he had a chance. You know what? Uh, he could have gotten Herbert, according to Mike Silver. You know, uh, Mike Silver, uh, who I quote in my podcast tomorrow, feels that if he wanted Justin Herbert, Herbert would have been on the team. So, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. You know, and by the way, Tua may be very good at some day. You know, I mean, he's not bad now. Uh, he's not mm -hmm. Justin Herbert, but, you know, may maybe in two or three years, we're having a different conversation about this. Right, right. All right, well, thank you. And, uh, wow, the Kings beat the Lakers, huh? <laughs> yeah, the Lakers are not, you're not very good this year. They're better than the Kings, but then again, most every team in the league is. But, you know what, the Jeff, the Lakers have a multitude of, you know, of problems. They really do. I mean, when you look at their record right now with that talent, and I know Anthony Davis is hurt, but Jeff, you would expect the Lakers it, with LeBron James and Russell right. Westbrook to be above 500. They're 21 and 21. That's terrible. Right. And I, I sent you a message and I, I looked at all the attendance in the league every yep. game last night. And other than the Houston, who'd Houston play? San Antonio. Yeah. Other than that game, the Kings drew 12. I think, what's the capacity? Uh, goal 17,000 plus. Yeah, it's over yeah. 17,000. Yeah. So basically, they were still 5,000 short with the Lakers in town. Yeah. That's what, that's pathetic. Thanks, man. I Appreciate mean, the call. No, I'm with but, you. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. You know, in all fairness, there's a major variant going around on Omicron, and I can understand fans being reluctant to go to a game. So I... I think that the numbers last night with the Lakers, because a lot of Laker fans normally will, and a lot, there were a lot of Laker fans there, but I, you can't ignore the Omicron variant right now. You, you just can't. All right? Like, it's probably not the most ideal place to be is in an arena with 17,000 people. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut them a little slack there, okay? Now, before the variant, the attendance was terrible. All right. And people were staying away because, number one, the owner has pushed the fans away and the product is terrible. OK, let's just call it the way it is. But right now. You know, would I want to go and sit in an arena. With 17000 people. Probably not. Probably not. So, you know, I got to be fair there. I got to be fair. All right, let's get to uh, some more calls here on Listen App with Jerry. Hello, Jerry. How are you today? Uh, still the same, Grant. Um, honestly, I know we won last night, but um, I don't know. It's still frustrating. Like, just for some reason, every year it's the same crap. Like, we play to the level of our competition. Yep. Um, it seems like they played a lot harder last night. I was watching the game. It's a lot more hustle, a lot more heart. I don't know why. It's just, it's just always against the Lakers, always against LeBron. 
star players. And then, you know, I'm honestly, I could just see us losing against Detroit or Houston, yep. you know, in the next couple of days. Um, it, it's just really frustrating to watch. Like I'm really on it, you know, not excited about the win last night. Um, you got a lot of fans now like saying like, Oh, let's make that playoff push now. You know, I, I honestly don't get it. it it's just really, it, it's ridiculous that we're just rooting for the nine or 10 seed. I know it's, we embarrass- get- it's embarrassing. It's an absolute embarrassment is what it is. Cause here's the deal. If you end up 10th and you're 10 games under 500, that's not a successful season. You know, that's just not, I don't know what fans are thinking about here. I mean, they, they it's just, I, and believe me, I understand that it's been awful. Uh, first of all, Finishing ninth is almost impossible because you're six games behind in the loss column with uh, 39 games left. You're not going to make up that kind of ground. The only the only spot that would be available is 10, and then you play the seventh place team. Is that going to get fans excited if you have 31 or 32 wins and you're the 10th seed? I don't know about you, but it wouldn't make me excited. I mean, the reality is right now the 10th seed is 16 and 24. That's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, I'd honestly rather just let's just say we had a decent season over 500, be the seven or eight seed, yes, and then just get get unlucky in the play-ins by I don't know, like let's just say some COVID things or injuries, and then we don't make playoffs because of that. I'd much rather have that than get you know in the playoffs lucky wise. Like if, uh, for example, like if if we do get the tenth seed and we face two teams in a row that are dealing with injuries, COVID issues, and we get there in just by sheer luck, yeah. I'm not really going to be impressed by that. It's it's one of those things where it's just – we've been so pathetic the last 15 years that this is all we can get excited for. And it's just frustrating as a yep. fan to see, like, the fan base just get excited for that type of thing. But um, one more thing I kind of want to ask you that's a non-sports-related uh, question, if I could. Sure. Okay, so uh, we're in a group chat, uh, me and a couple friends, and uh, we're kind of pizza connoisseurs. And you being from New York and you obviously traveling around the nation – and uh, different parts of the world. Do you have any, like, pizza spots you recommend oh. in Sacramento or, you know, around the nation, like your top uh, pizza spots in general? You know, that's a fabulous question. Um, I, I don't remember the names of places that I go, so that's really hard for me to answer. I, I know you're going to laugh when I tell you this. Uh, maybe you won't laugh, but, like, I, I used to live in El Dorado Hills, and the Nugget uh, grocery store, the Nugget Supermarket, they had great New York style pizza. It was always good. I always used to love going there uh, to get it. It was really good. I, it kind of reminded me of the pizza in New York. Um, so, but around the country, not really. And if I buy pizza around the country when I'm out and about, I don't really remember the name. So I'm I'm sorry. I wish I could be. I wish I could be more help to you, but I I, I can't. No, it's all good. Any other pizza spots you'd recommend in Sacramento? Like any other restaurants, anything that really like kind of sparks out? I know like we don't got a, a lot of uh, elite places around here, but, you know, I kind of like to try new di- uh, different places. Well, I loved, uh, you know, in, in Folsom, I like Land Ocean. There's also a Land Ocean at the Galleria Mall. Uh, they have a really good menu. Uh, it's a very nice restaurant. Uh, so, you know, I would I would recommend Land Ocean. Um I didn't really go out as much as you would think I did when I was uh, in Sacramento. I mean, I would go out to dinner with my wife a couple of times, but we didn't. We're not fancy, fancy eaters. But Land Ocean and Folsom, we both liked, and we would go there uh, quite a bit. Um, it's, I'm, I'm, you're catching me off guard with this, so I'm kind of stumbling and humbling and hee hawing here. But that, that's one that 
you know, I recommend as far as other restaurants, uh, gosh, you know what? I'll tell you, and I don't gamble that much, but I used to go to two steakhouses at casinos because they were really good. And I used to go to a, uh, Henry's at Red Hawk, which was a fine dining experience. And then I would go to High Stakes out at Thunder Valley. High Stakes at Thunder Valley is a beautiful restaurant and the food is really good. Uh, so if you want to go and just try something different, I recommend both of those restaurants. They're very good. Gotcha. All right. Hey, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you. You have a great rest of the day. I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, you know, it's funny. When I go out to eat, it's like I don't remember the names of the restaurants very often. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of like when I travel around the country. Like around the country, my two favorite restaurants, one was uh, Carmine's in New York City. It's on 44th and Broadway, right off of uh, 7th Avenue and right, at, right, right in the heart of Times Square. I love Carmine's. Absolutely love it. Phenomenal. It's family style Italian. Uh, the food is spectacular. Uh, it's spectacular. My other favorite restaurant is Del Frisco's in New York on 49th and uh, 6th. I love Del Frisco's. Love the ambiance there. Got to know the bartenders very well. Uh, Eric's been great. Talk to him all the time. Larry, my other good buddy, uh, when I said my other good buddy, guy that I met for years and years and years has moved to Dublin, Ireland, unfortunately, because I used to love talking with him. But, you know, Eric, who works uh, at the bar at Del Frisco's, well, I always like to just sit at the bar and eat and talk to people and talk to the people that work there like Eric. That's one of my favorite spots. Love it. Absolutely love it. It's great. But Car if you're with you know, you, it's difficult to go to car mines with just one person because the portions are so big. But if you have a group of four or more, you go to car mines. If you don't like car mines, I'll, I'll reimburse you for your meal. That's how much I swear by it. It's phenomenal. And I, I'll tell you this. I send a lot of people to car mines and they have all, every single one has come back and thanked me. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal New York style when I mean New York style, it's vintage New York. Everything about it is New York and the Italian family style. It's great. It's been there forever. My dad and my brother and I, we used to go there a lot. You know, my dad used to love car mines and my brother loves car mines. And so like, even when my brother and I, if we meet in the city, we go to car mines, even though it's just the two of us and we get to Porterhouse, which is an incredible steak there it's phenomenal maybe as good as i've ever had at carmine's and i know you're gonna like well grant that's not really italian yeah I, trust me I, I go there with other people and eat the you know all the pasta the salads are great i mean but the portions are huge i'm just telling you like when you see the portions of the food at carmine's you can't believe it i mean you really can't and when you order a dessert like order the uh ice cream sundae when you go to carmine's and you won't, you just won't believe it. Like it comes out, it looks like a castle, you know, that they bring out to the middle of the table. It's incredible. Love Carmine's. Absolutely, it's a, a great experience. All right, uh, if you want to talk about the uh, NFL with the game starting on uh, Saturday, uh, happy to do that. You know, what do you think about the Raiders and the Bengals? They kick off game number one of the weekend and the other game on Saturday is New England uh, and Buffalo. So feel free to uh, call up and talk about that, the NBA, or anything else going on, and we welcome in Zach. Zach, how are you today, sir? Good. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? 
this is a random question. Just thought of it since we're getting, you know, t- kind of different questions out here. Um, well, uh, I'm a big tennis fan. It's probably my yep. second favorite sport. I just wanted to know, what, you know, who, who's your favorite players? Or have you, were you ever into the tennis that much? Did you ever Love play tennis. the game? Played it, loved it. Used to go to the U.S. Open every year. My dad used to take my brother and I to the first round of the U.S. Open, and we always used to go to the first round. When I mean the first round, the first week, because there were so many right. matches on the outer courts, and I used to love going to court 16. I remember watching, you know, Jim Courier play Michael Chang when they were both coming up on court 16 one year at the U.S. Open, and you know, I was like five rows off the court in the in the stands, and it was one of the best matches I've ever seen. I actually, Zach, you would get a kick out of this. I played tennis at Arco Arena in a doubles match, which uh, John, it was me and John McEnroe against Andre Agassi and a sports director from Channel 3, Eric McClendon. And in that wow. match, in that match, Eric tore his Achilles in the very first game, and then the ball boy ended up playing, and he was very good because Agassi and McEnroe were playing at Arco in an exhibition, and they wanted a quote-unquote celebrity match in between the two sets. And so I played with John McEnroe and I've got a picture of me and John McEnroe at the net getting ready to volley. And it's a, it's one of my favorite pictures. It it was, it was phenomenal. And here's something else that is incredible. John McEnroe and I are the same age. We grew up five miles apart from one another. I never knew Mac growing up, never met him, but we grew up five miles apart and we're both 62. We're both the same age. And it was a thrill. It was an absolute thrill to play tennis with John McEnroe against Andre Agassi. It was one of the great thrills that I've ever had. I'm a huge tennis fan. Love tennis. Now, with that said, I've become disenchanted since the end of the Sampras-Agassi era because men's tennis in this country has gone just downhill. We don't really have anybody of note. Women's, obviously, Serena Williams, and she's been phenomenal. But on the men's side, where are all of our tennis players, Zach? What's happened to men's tennis in America? Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Uh, the Europeans have been taken over. Um, you know, you got – Roddick was maybe the last good one in yep. 2003, you know, won the US Open. Then he just got smashed by Federer every time in the Wimbledon finals. Unfortunately, he was the best shot. Um, you know, we got we got a couple people around the top 30, like Isner and – and Opelka and um, just the Taylor Fritz yep. is kind of young and he's coming around. He's from San Diego. Um, it, yeah, but no, no one really, no one, no one's going to win probably a grand slam from those guys anytime soon. So it's kind of tough. Zach, I was at a match at the U S open one year. It was a night match and Jimmy Connors was playing Paul Harhus, right? And you know, the New York fans love Connors and right. Like, and I'll, I'll tell you to show you how old I am. I watched Jimmy Connors and Chris Everett play at Forest Hills on the grass before they moved to Flushing. Uh, you know, I don't oh, know wow. even if you're aware of this. They used to have the U.S. Open at uh, Forest Hills, and so I did I, not know that. Yeah, it was, in, and I watched Ely Nastasi play at the U.S. Open at Forest Hills. So think about that for a minute, but. <laughs> I watched Jimmy Con- I know I'm like 90 years old, right? When I tell you these stories, I, <laughs> I watched Jimmy Connors play Paul Harhus once at the U S open in a night match. And Connors was down to love and down a couple of games in a third set and came roaring back to win a five set thriller. I mean, the match lasted for hours. Wow. You can just imagine the crowd at New York with Connors and his comeback. It was one of the great things that I've ever witnessed. It was a phenomenal match. I think we got out of there. I'm not kidding you. I think that I think I think we walked out of the stadium at like two in the morning 
I mean, the game match went, yeah, it was amazing. It was an absolute one of the great matches that I've ever seen. That's insane. Yeah, my only, uh, honestly, my only experience I've had is uh, I've been to Wimbledon when I was in, in middle school. Um, wow. I saw a fourth, it was fourth round. I saw Federer play. It was on center court somehow. Wow. I had family that got me some tickets. So yeah, I did see, I get, I did see uh, Federer and uh, Leighton Hewitt and uh, Davenport versus Kleisters. That was, those are uh, some good matches. Oh, for uh, sure. What are you, uh, do you have an opinion on Novak Djokovic and what's going on with everything at the Australian Open? Yeah, so yeah. so I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of Djokovic before all this. Um, you know, it's kind of tough. I'm very unbiased. I look at all all sides, and uh, you know, there, there's a couple. You know, it's not just his fault. You know, he, he probably had communication with a uh, government of Australia and the Australian Open that's probably said, "Hey, you can probably come play," and that's probably why he went to Australia and did all that stuff. So it's not only on him. You got to put some blame on on the government. And the Australian Open, the organize, you know, all that that's organizing that tournament. Um, the only thing I probably have a little bit of a problem was was that I think he did go to like some event uh, or a couple events. Yeah, uh, absolutely. After, after being uh, told that he was COVID positive, and I think that's uh, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty reckless. Uh, he, I agree. he 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 also did something like this similar last year in about June or July of the summer 2020. Uh, not 20. Yeah, so summer of 2022 years ago when, you know, the pandemic was just kind of starting yep. and um, he had he held an exhibition for a tennis thing with like uh, a bunch of people in Serbia. Um, and yeah, I think Jokic was there, uh, but and a lot of people got COVID after that. So he's been pretty reckless. And, and so I'm not I'm not a huge fan. I don't really like his demeanor uh, too much. I'm a big uh, Nadal fan. So that's that's the guy I follow. You want to hear it? You want to hear a great story? I, I love, I'd love to. Not the Tokyo Olympics, but the Olympics before that. And quite off uh, off the top of my head, I can't even remember where they were. Okay. Okay. So Vladi Divac was the head of the Serbian Olympic Committee, right? Mm-hmm. And Novak was playing in the Olympics and got upset in the first round of the Olympics. I believe it was the opening round. Okay. And Novak called Vladi and apologized to him. And said hey, no. He did. He goes, hey, I, I just, I'm, I'm apologizing because I know I let down the entire country, and I feel awful. And I promise you, I will be back in four years, and I will do everything in my power to win the gold medal for Serbia. But I'm embarrassed, and I'm calling to personally tell you how sorry I am that I let the country down. How about that for you? That, that's insane. Yeah, I yep. mean, now he's one of the greatest. I think he's one of the best players of all time. If not well, he best. was one of the best players of all time that Olympics. He just right. lost. And then, of course, he lost in Tokyo. But <laughs> would you put him – where would you rank him? Let's talk about Sampras and Federer. If you want to just mention those two, I think yeah. that would be – or Nadal. Let's throw Nadal in there too. Let's put let's put Sampras. Let's put Nadal. Let's put Federer. All right, I know I'm leaving some out, but let's just put right. those three. Do you put Novak ahead of them? Where do you put Novak? So, so I, I think – I think Novak is the best player to ever play tennis. Uh, I think if you put those guys, if you put Djokovic ahead uh, or play them one-on-one with all those guys, I think he'll beat all of them. I think he'll crush all of them. Um, I think Federer took advantage of like a little bit of a weaker um, era. I know his, his maybe his best competition was um, maybe like Roddick and like, you know, Nadal at the very, very beginning. But Djokovic, he's beating all these he beat Nadal and Federer all, you know, in their primes yeah. And, and, yeah. and pretty, you know, um, and so that's why I would put uh, Djokovic. Sampras is, is up there. I mean, 
yeah, so I, I got to put Djokovic as the greatest. I, I like Federer. Uh, maybe he's probably second. He dominated his era, though, so, so we got to give him props. Uh, Nadal, I love Nadal, but he, he did take uh, – I wish he just had more uh, slams from other – not just the French. I think he has like 13 or something from the French itself and uh, a couple from yep. the other ones. But, I mean, I think – and then Djokovic isn't done. That's the crazy part. He's probably going to win. That's right. Four to five more, you know, at no, least. Oh, absolutely. No question. So do me a favor. When you get done with this call, after you're listening to the show, Google U.S. Open Tennis at Forest Hills, and you'll be – you'll just look – at, look at what that venue was like. You'll be blown away. Uh, it was a small, quaint – a uh, very uh, prestigious lawn club. You know, it was on the, it was grass. Forest Hills. Just look, I'll, Google I'll US Open Tennis at Forest Hills. All right. Absolutely. Well, it's funny because I, I remember Joke uh, Vlade. He was, he always sat in Djokovic's box at the US yes. Open. Yeah, I they're good said. friends. Yeah, right. they're friends. Yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. Yep. All right, man. Yeah. Appreciate the talk. Grant. Yeah, good stuff. Really good call. Appreciate Take it. Take care, Grant. Yeah, you too. How about that? Yesterday, I got a soccer question. Today, I got a tennis question. I love it. You know, I love it. Absolutely love it. A great chat about soccer yesterday with uh, Kiram. And today, we got Zach talking about tennis. That, that, that is true. One of, the great, <laughs> one of the great thrills I ever had was playing tennis with John McEnroe against Andre Agassi. That was great. I mean, how often do you get a chance to do that, right? Like, never? That was amazing. And I had a really, really good forehand, and I made a mistake of Andre serving, you know, half speed to me and, you know, putting it right in my wheelhouse on my forehand. And I hit, I hit a smash forehand that Andre barely got his racket on. And after that, I saw nothing but his best serves the rest of the set. And like then I could barely get my racket on it. He was serving like into the corner to my backhand. Then the next serve would be at the corner to my forehand. And I was like, okay, that's what you get for being a wise ass. That's what you get for trying to be a big hot shot. You know, you send a, a, a ripping a forehand on a 50% serve from Agassi. And now he's like, okay, really? You're going to try to embarrass me? Okay, take this, kid. And he served them up to me, boy. But it was fun to see what a real professional serve looked like from that vantage point. Here's the other thing I remember about playing is that it was really hard to pick up the ball because the place was full of fans and they all had different color shirts on. And so the background on the toss like on the toss, like it was really hard to just keep focus on the ball, which made it even harder. So that's the other thing I remember. When when Agassi was serving to me, I was like, man, it's like you could lose the ball against the background of the fans in the arena. But that was a that was a big thrill for me. Absolutely love that. I'll never forget that. That was like back in the mid nineties, I think, early nineties. Uh that was a lot of fun. That was really a lot of fun. All right, if you want to get on, just raise your hand. And once you raise your hand, I'll put you up on stage. Once I put you up on stage, you got to hit the microphone icon at the bottom of your device, uh, like Thomas. How are you, sir? Welcome to the show. What can I do for you? Hey, Grant. How you going? Hey, Good. I just want to let you know, I was at that tournament, at uh, that, uh, that thing you did at ARCO there. 
Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I took my two little kids. They were eight and nine. And all I remember is, you know, McEnroe was playing into it. I remember all those shots. But <laughs> I do remember my kids. And then McEnroe started playing his, you know, getting uh, upset about the calls. You know, he was yes. playing it all up. And then he dropped a couple F-bombs. And then my kids are going, what does that mean, Dad? <laughs> and hey. so... That was a great, I'll never forget it. It was great. My dad and I used to, um, uh, uh, my dad was a tennis pro when I, when I was uh, younger. But anyway, we used to go to, I think it was the Sacramento area. They had Rod Laver. They would have tournaments there. Well, Sacramento they had the Sacramento tennis. Capitals playing in world team tennis. Yeah. Well, this is long, long time ago. Long this before. Was probably, yep. Yeah, we're about the same age. This is when I was about 10 or 11. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, so you Rod Laver. Oh, okay. Rod Laver would come into Sacramento wow. and Stan Smith. But but anyway, my question is, you know what we don't see in tennis anymore was the entertainment side of Connors. And these guys had their personalities out there, and it was a show. You, they actually, you actually paid for a show, kind of like the old Kings. You know, you went there. Yep. It was yep. basketball, but it was the greatest show uh -huh. on earth. But do you think that's affected tennis quite a bit with just, you know, no more entertainment? They're just kind of quiet. A little bit. in the ball. Yeah. You know, a little bit. But, you know, as as Pete Sampras was kind of robotic when he played, but when he played, the, t the uh, tennis ratings were re really good. Uh, and so I think my own opinion is that the lack of really good American men's tennis players has hurt the sport more than anything because it's been such a long time since we had an American – phenom that we could get behind and root for i mean agassi was great agassi had personality he had flair you know he was a huge fan favorite you mentioned connor's you know McEnroe. you know when sampras came along sampras was arguably the you know to this day it still is arguably the greatest men's tennis player you know ever to live in this country but people said well he doesn't have a personality he's robotic but people still watch them play so i understand your point i think there is some truth to that but I think more than anything, it's just a lack of uh, really quality men's tennis players in the country. There are none. When I mean quality, I'm talking about there's no one right now mm. on the men's side that's capable of winning a major. And that's really hurting the sport, in my opinion, from an American perspective. Right. Well, that's perfect. Well, thanks, Grant. And I, help, I hope um, down the road when you have your uh, trial or your, your court thing that it gets – I went through something like that early in my life. And I'm rooting for you, and I think the results will come out, and it will really awaken people of the wrongdoings that are going on in this country. So appreciate Thomas, it. Thomas, it means a lot to me. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much for your support. All right. Take care. Yep, you do the same. Boy, this has been a good show today. A lot of good calls. A lot of good calls. How about Thomas there at that match with his two boys and, uh, you know, McEnroe with his F-bombs? I don't even remember that part of it. I was so freaking nervous. You know, like, because you don't want to embarrass yourself, you know, like, that's the last thing you want to do. Like, you don't want to embarrass yourself. So uh, it was fun, though. We played one set and uh, it was fun. But I'll never forget, boy, after I returned a screamer uh, to Agassi on my forehand, I was like, I think I don't know if I ever got another serve to my forehand side. Every the, from 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 then on, it was nothing but his best to my backhand and I'm talking about with the big bounce like the the spin on the ball and uh, he had me running all over the place yeah not a good move on my part
By the way, the book, if you're a tennis fan, the book Open, uh, the Andre Agassi story, it's one of the best, best books I've ever read. If you want to read a great book, read the book. It's called Open. And it is Andre Agassi's life. And I couldn't put the book down. I remember reading it on a flight cross country once. And it was one of the best books I ever read. Seriously, a phenomenal book. Absolutely a phenomenal book on Andre Agassi. So if you get a chance, uh, I highly recommend it. Phenomenal book. Hey, if you want to get in on the program, just raise your hand, hit your hand icon, uh, and uh, we will do it. Again, the football starts on Saturday with the uh, Raiders and the Bengals, followed by the Pats and the Bills. Sunday, three games, Philly, Tampa, San Francisco, Dallas, Pittsburgh, Kansas City. And then on Monday night, you have Arizona and the uh, L.A. Rams. So that is your wild card weekend. Jeff is back with us again. Hello, Jeff. Yeah, I had one more question, Grant. This is might be a little selfless question from my fantasy football, but uh, what quarterback do you think uh, is going to have the best game this weekend? Wow, that is a – I'm going to say – I'm going to say Tom Brady against Philadelphia. Oh. Yep. Tom Brady, even though he say, doesn't have – even though he doesn't yep. have all his weapons. Yep. I think he's going to have a great game. I think uh, he's going to have a great game. I know a lot of people would take Patrick Mahomes, and I'm not saying I wouldn't, but I think Brady's going to have a very good game against Philadelphia. The thing with Mahomes is Hill isn't – he's not 100%, and he has been uh, – that heel injury. Yep, so that's true. His, his down-the-field game is he's gone to more of the short passing – and he's throwing to Hardman and Kelsey, and uh, so that's affected him. So I don't know if Hill's going to have a breakout, but I did stack Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hardman uh, this weekend. I don't know about their running backs, but uh, quarterback-wise, I can't take a chance on Allen because it's going to be friggin' cold. What is it going to be, one degrees? Exactly right. I mean, you make a great point. It's the same thing why I would stay away from the you know, the game in Cincinnati, although it's not going to be that bad. And then the other game in a perfect climate indoors, you know, I could see Stafford having a really big game and Kyler Murray, you know, both of those quarterbacks. But you make a great point about the Buffalo. Looking at the weather there, I don't see a lot of – I don't see the quarterbacks being that effective in that game. Do you think Prescott's going to pick the 49ers DBs apart? No, I do not. I don't, well, because I think he's going to be under pressure all game. Okay. Well, that that was my question, and thank you. I, I mean, you're pretty knowledgeable yep. about that. Thank well, you. hey, it's just a guess. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. You know, when I say that about Prescott, pass rush is the best secondary you can have. If you can get to the quarterback, you know, you can, you can get by with a subpar secondary. And I think the Niners, with their pass rush, will be able to get to Dak Prescott. And I think it's going to be, you know, I think when he's throwing on his heels, you know, it's a whole different ball game. So I, I could see that happening. You know, I, I expect Bosa in that front and Armstead and the guys, I expect them to have a big game. I'm not saying I'm picking San Francisco to win. You know, I'll give you my picks tomorrow. But I think that's going to be a big factor in the game. Put pressure on the quarterback. Look at what the Niners did in the second half with Stafford. Right? So. Why would I think that San Francisco is not going to be able to get to Dak Prescott and make him, you know, throw the ball a little bit quicker than he wants? You know, if you're looking at 
Dallas, obviously Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb. The, the, that's that's it, and those are good good receivers. But are they going to be able to finish their routes? Is Prescott going to be able to have enough time uh, to throw the ball? That's going to be the real key. So that's your uh, NFL schedule tomorrow. Uh, I want your lock of the week. I want your upset of these playoffs. Let's have some fun, uh, and we'll do that coming up on the show tomorrow. Uh, We'll get to some more phone calls here on this busy Thursday with Brian. Brian, what's going on? Hey, Grant. Nice talking to you again. Same to you. I'm curious your opinion with this new format. As a fan, I don't care. It's just more football. But do you think the the teams that are playing on Monday – Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. It's uh, it's not the best case scenario for the winning team uh, on a short week in the playoffs. Yeah, I do think it's a factor. Absolutely. Yes, I do. Yeah. No, I'm just curious. Like, anyhow, yeah, it's going to be – I think we got a handful of games that are going to be pretty good this weekend, really. Uh, I'm going to kind of take a look and uh, give you my picks tomorrow as well. But uh, – we do. Uh, we're extending our pick'em season to uh, to create a new league for the for the playoffs, and you rank one to six. And looking at, I, I think the only team that really, I mean, anything can happen. I think KC on Pittsburgh is a pretty good lock. Other than that, I think all these games can yep. go either way. I can make a lot of argument. So yeah, uh, they, 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 the winner on Monday is going to play on Sunday, not Saturday. But that's still, you know, it's still one full less day or two full less days. Uh, well, I shouldn't say two full less days. The team's on Saturday. But, yeah, playing on Monday night, yeah, it's a short week. The winner getting ready for the game on Sunday, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And switching gears, just in terms of your comment, that was, as a kid, I was never uh, a serious tennis fan, but I do. I'm 43, so I did grow up watching Agassi, uh, Sampras, you know, that era, sure. what have you. Hearing your story... And that's a funny story about you showing up, uh, Andre and him, you know, laying one India the rest of the, the rest of the day. I'm just curious, what was it like on the court receiving a serve like that? Is it was it just more intense and crazier than you anticipated watching on TV? Just curious your your, your feedback there. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, the first time after I returned my and i'll put you back in the audience here the first time i returned the ball with a screeching forehand uh he aced me on the next serve like i didn't even get my racket on it and then i was like uh-oh and what i remember was is you know taking a step back and ultra concentrating on the toss of the ball and i i believe for the rest of that game i don't believe and I didn't have a – I think there was only a nut, one other point after that from him serving to me, and I and I was to my forehand, and I got my racket on the ball, but I didn't get it in play. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it – yes, 
I'm, a, I'm answering your question. Yes, I got an idea of what it would be like. And Agassi wasn't one of the top servers in the game. So, you know, you got to keep that in mind. But the thing that I remember more than anything, Brian, was the amount of spin on the ball. Like when the ball bounced, the 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 spin on the ball to my forehand side would take me all the way off the court. And to my backhand side, the bounce was so high. And I remember after the first one to my backhand, I was like, I'm going to have to get this. I'm going to have to get the ball sooner on the bounce and not let it get so high up on me. Uh, but, yeah, I couldn't. I mean, I got an idea of what it would try to be like, you know, being on the court, returning serve. And, again, Agassi wasn't one of the game's best servers, so keep that in mind too. But I, I remember it distinctly. Uh, it was it was quite an experience. I'll, I'll put it to you that way. It was quite an experience. Uh, if you want to get on uh, before we uh, say so long on this uh, Thursday, all you got to do is hit your hand icon. Uh, we'll put you right up on stage, and we'll do it. Listen, if Andre Agassi really wanted to, he could serve where I wouldn't get one serve back into play. All right, I'm just being honest with you. You know, I think the one time he served his best to my backhand later in the match, I got it over the net, but right to uh, the guy that was at the net, and he slammed it, you know, it was an easy volley. So I'm not going to sit here and make it sound like, oh, yeah, I could return Andre Agassi serve. No, I couldn't. I mean, I, I, I could not. He aced me the very first time after I hit the forehand. But then after that, you know, I couldn't get the ball back in play. I, I don't believe. I don't have a complete memory of every serve that he served to me. But I, I do know this. He sent me a message. And the message was, really? Like, you're going to try to make me look bad? I'm a, a, one of the best tennis players in the world. You're going to try to make me look bad in front of 17,000 people. Okay, here. You want to talk about looking bad? Try to get your racket on this. And again, the very first serve after that, I didn't get he, it was an ace. And he served it. He served it wide. I'll never forget this. He served it wide to my forehand side. So he served it with a, a, a spin on it that once the ball bounced, it almost went sideways, okay, away from my forehand. I couldn't even get my racket on the ball. And I was like, oh, boy, I got some real problems now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got some real problems now. But it was fun. It was really, really fun. All right, so tomorrow, uh, upset of the week, lock of the week. Uh, we will preview all of the NFL games, uh, and we'll do that tomorrow. Hey, fun show today. Really enjoyed it. Great phone calls today. Really appreciate when we get these type of phone calls. Makes the show uh, really enjoyable, not only for me, but I think for those uh, that are listening. So uh, do me a favor. Pass the word around to your friends if they don't know about this show that I'm doing uh, weekdays at 3 o'clock Pacific. Pass the word along. We'd love to get some more people on here, get some more phone calls, and have a, a lot of fun. So really, good phone calls today. Really appreciate it. And thanks for listening. I'll be back tomorrow right here. On Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, little. 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.